You're listening to the Cars of Carlisle Network, podcast episode number 143, featuring Bill Morrow, Porsche fan and all-around driving enthusiast. Cars of Carlisle is your favorite internationally downloaded podcast about all things automotive. Darren and his CFC team are ever searching for interesting automotive happenings, real stories about real car people, and fun features to inform and entertain you. Each week, the Cars of Carlisle crew brings you show topics ranging from car shows to team adventures to auto racing weekends to behind-the-scenes human interest stories from car nuts that live across town, across the country, or even across the globe. Come join the road trip. Today, ride along to Landisburg, Pennsylvania to hang out with a friend of the show, Bill Morrow. Like most car enthusiasts, Bill values honing his driving skills, whether it be carving twisting mountain roads in a 2016 Cayman GT4 or driving both a Dodge Challenger Hellcat and a Formula 4 at the Bondurant High Performance Driving School. It's time to head back over the mountain to Perry County to meet a commercial pilot who enjoys spending weekends flying low level in his mid-engine machine. So, let's get revved up! Hello and welcome back, Cubers, to your favorite informative automotive podcast. I am your trusted host, Darren. As always, it is really good to have you back with us again this week. Momentarily, we'll be speaking with United Parcel Service commercial pilot and captain, Bill Morrow. Remember, this is your podcast. Together, it's all about car community, car culture. More after this. Just a reminder to all you Cubers, it's not a moment too soon to become a Cars of Carlisle subscriber and accelerate your experience. Leaving a five-star rating on iTunes, posting a review, and sharing Cars of Carlisle with friends makes you an integral part of the crew. If you like what you hear, support the cause with a quick click of the PayPal button on the main page of our website, carsofcarlisle.com. So act now, take a look around, and let's hit the fast lane together. Thank you. It's time to heel-toe through the corners, double-clutch, and downshift the six-speed into this week's trivia question segment. True or false, the very first Porsche, commonly referred to as Porsche number one, had a rear engine configuration. That answer awaits at the end of this episode. So let's head to Bill Morrow's home and sit down in person with him at his table for this week's interview. Cubers, this is Darren and I'm in Lannisburg, Pennsylvania, just over the mountain from Carlisle in Perry County. And I am sitting here uh, tonight with Bill Morrow. Bill, thanks for being part of... uh, Nice show. Yeah, thanks for having me. And Bill and I have been friends for quite some time. And in fact, uh, you've probably heard me talk several months back that we were out uh, having some fun in the backcountry roads and taking turns uh, driving each other's car. But uh, I've always been fond of Bill's 2016 GT4. It is, of all the cars I've driven, and I'm not just telling him that to curry favor and make him smile, but it is probably one of the best handling cars I've ever been behind the wheel of. And, always enjoy the chance to uh, have fun in it it is it does exactly what you want it's like it's telemetry uh, every time you, you reach for that gear or you come up over a crest it just you have confidence it's going to do what you want it to do so and i know that's probably really, probably why you bought it that's correct <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great car and you you've told me too you've had you've been to a lot of driving experiences and things and you know always come home never feeling like ah, this might not be my car now you always feel like it's home every time you get behind the wheel I've had it for four years, and <clears throat> excuse me, it's still uh, the best driving car I've driven, mm-hmm. hands down. Yeah, it's it's amazing, and the fact that the new 
the new 718 is a lot of people just want to go back to the old one. I think the sound of the new car is not quite uh, up to the snuff of the first one. Mm -hmm. It's a little quieter. It doesn't play the same growl, but... And they, this one, they were saying, as far as the uh, your model, it has uh, just a little more of the, the analog feel, and it just is a little more pure experience. But anyhow, we, we digress. We we can certainly talk a little bit about that. What uh, Bill is a car guy through and through, and uh, maybe talk a little bit about how you knew you were loved all things four tire, you know, four wheels, four tires, and how that car guy thing came to be and obviously for a living you do a lot of things above the ground we can get into that too but let's let's kind of rewind and start there well i think it starts with both aviation and cars i've always been loved mechanical things and was drawn to airplanes and cars probably at the same time Mm -hmm. equal passions too so i've been fortunate in the sense that i got to do both i guess you know fly for a living and buy cool cars <laughs> <laughs> well you're a captain for ups if correct. i mentioned that yes the 300 captain for ups currently so you are what what routes are you doing right now because you've been all over the globe uh depending on the airplane you're on it determines your route i started at ups on the 747 and that's when i circled the globe constantly uh, all over i switched to the airbus the a300 probably well, I guess about 17 years ago, and that flies mostly North America. Okay. I go to Canada, the Caribbean, Mexico, um, and that's pretty much my my route structure. Mm-hmm. So, and as far as cars, I've I've I, I can't explain this one. I've always been drawn to cars, but then somehow at some point I was drawn specifically to the Porsche brand, and I've been a Porsche nut probably since maybe high school. Okay. Specifically, well, I was not... impressed when you show me your your home office. I mean, yeah. just some really great diecast metal models there. I mean, I like all cars. I, mean, I love mm-hmm. your I love your Corvette. Mm-hmm. That was a neat experience driving that. But I'm specifically love Porsche the best. The engineering, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's there's something about driving one of those. It's it's kind of unique, <laughs> especially the older ones. Yeah. So, well, what was the first Porsche that really got your attention? Was it the nine four four? Was it the nine twenty eight? What what was the model that really grabbed your your focus? I think it's funny. Probably my introduction to Porsche was in the movies. Mm. So I remember sixteen candles. Risky business. Well, sixteen candles was not red nine forty four. Yeah. Risky business with a nine twenty eight. Yeah. Uh, weird science with a with a nine twenty eight. Oh, I forgot about that. Right. Um, <laughs> So I, honestly, those are probably the three movies. Yeah. I liked the 944. I was mm-hmm. drawn to that. In fact, that was the first Porsche that I owned. I owned an 84 944. What for color was your 944? Red. Okay. The guard's red. Yeah. yeah. And to this day, I think that's one of the best looking cars mm-hmm. ever. You know, take a nine, like an 86 944 turbo. Long nose and yeah. Sits low to the ground mm-hmm. with the sport sport suspension. That's a, just a really mm-hmm. good looking car. Mm-hmm. And I had the good fortune, a friend of mine, actually a mutual friend of ours, uh, purchased a 944 turbo. Hmm. he's kind of a collector in trades but he had it for maybe a year mm-hmm. I got to drive it several times mm. and it brought back a lot of memories that's, just, <laughs> that's still a great looking car yeah still a great looking car so the 944 is what's probably started um, I, I went from a 944 to a 968 then which obviously okay. was a, the evolutionary end of the 944 and I, I had that car for probably seven years mm. it's a great car and now was this the third, or was there one in between that? Well, 944 was the first one. I sold that one because I was really not, I was in over my head. Mm. I was still flight instructing and I didn't make any money. And okay. It wasn't practical. But <laughs> I sold that and got a real car. Uh, and then when We've I had, all been there. Yeah, when I had the, <laughs> the money to get back into the Porsches, I got the 968. Mm-hmm. 
and I sold the 968 to get a 993. Mm. So I had the 96, 911, uh, C2, mm. uh, aero kit, uh, sports suspension, 17-inch wheels, Ford seats. It was a nice car. Mm-hmm. And handled well, but nothing yeah. like the Cayman. It handled differently, for sure. I mean, obviously, the rear engine's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, it, but it drove like a go-kart. It was okay. so tiny. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember how small the old cars were. I do, to some degree, but not that particular model. Of, you know, well, the 944, 968, and the 993 were all mm-hmm. the same. If you sat in the driver's seat, and I could reach over and touch the up. I do remember that. Door. And you had to sometimes because yeah. you didn't have power locks. And I do remember you're always fighting with whoever yeah. was in the car with you. A date or otherwise, your elbows are always they're banging. Mu- they're together. just much smaller cars. And mm-hmm. you forget until you sit side by side to a newer car or mm-hmm. you get into an older car and you realize, my goodness, this is much smaller. Mm-hmm. But it drove like a go-kart. Mm. I mean, it was phenomenal. Mm. Just the, flat in yeah, the corners. Fl- well, I wouldn't say flat. I mean, it was still the older suspension. Okay. There was still some lean to it. But, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, hydraulic steering, the, you could feel the road back through the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was just a neat, and it was so tiny. <laughs> and, you know, not, you know, one of the things about 911 is the front, uh, the view at the front. Yeah. I mean, you can see exactly where you're your yeah. front of it, the low sloping You know front. your corners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that car was just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I, I, I sold that one out of necessity. And of all the cars, I wish I'd, I'd probably kept oh, that one. Okay. Okay. And that was that, what color was it? That was speed yellow. Okay. Speed yellow, yeah. And you had manual, because I know you're a manual yeah. transmission Six guy. Six speed, so. yep. Yeah, they had the Tiptronic back then. I wasn't mm-hmm. interested in the Tiptronic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, PDK is awesome, but Tiptronic, I don't know why anyone bought a Tiptronic, yeah. quite honestly, but yeah, it was, a, it was a fun car. Well, what came after that? I sold that, and then um, I had a, uh, a Cayman S. An mm-hmm. 08 Cayman S. And that was my first experience with the mid-engine Porsche. And I had that probably four years. And that was a fun car. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was underpowered. Mm-hmm. But I, the mid-engine was nice. I was, I, it's one, someone once said to me, and I always enjoyed hearing the, the quote, that it's more fun to drive a slower car fast than to drive yeah. a fast car slow. I think that's true based on just... My limited experience on the track. I mean, because you have a high performance car and, and you push that to the limit. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're really out there. Yeah. And if something goes wrong, then the uh, yep. repercussions are much higher. Yeah. Whereas if you take like a you know most popular car for racing, I think is a Miata, right? Mm-hmm. You've got to really car. bring it out. Yeah. yeah. You can go out there and push the crap out of it, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. You're just like going as fast. Right. But it's right. it's just as much fun. Yep. And I'm, you're working for it too. Yeah, you're earning your your speed. It's absolutely as much fun. So yeah. So that, the Cayman S was underpowered, but it handled wonderfully, and of course, all Porsches break well. So that, I guess that's what whetted my appetite for the mid-engine car. Mm-hmm. You know, and then this the G the, the GT four when it came along was sort of a, it's it's actually kind of a funny story how I ended up getting that car. I had no intention of ever buying a new Porsche. But do you recall how, how the, the rollout went out? I mean, I, I mean, I do remember you, this had really low miles on it, right? Not by new. Oh, okay. Yeah, so no intention of ever buying a new Porsche. I just figured the value, you know. I guess I car. don't know the story. Though. Okay, well, this okay. is an interesting story. Okay. Uh, I think it was, don't quote me, but March of 2015. Okay. I think it's when Porsche announced the GT4. And it was announced, like, let's just say Monday. Uh I got wind of it on the internet, and I thought, wow, that's an interesting car. So I called down to the, the dealer, mm-hmm. and I was like, hey, you know, this GT4 sounds interesting. Let's say this is Friday now. Mm-hmm. Five days later, maybe. 
And I was like, hey, this GT4 sounds interesting. And again, I'm not really 100% serious at this point. I just was curious. Mm -hmm. And I talked to uh, the salesman down there that I knew. And he said, well, yeah. He said, that is an interesting question. Well, if I wanted to buy it, you know, what would I do? Oh, you just give me a deposit, you know, it's a refundable deposit. And he said, and we'll put your name on the list, but I'll have to tell you you're number six. I'm like, what? He said, well, you're number six. I'm like, well, they just announced the car a couple of days ago. He said, well, I've already got five deposits. Wow. I'm like, wow, okay. So that right. conversation ended, and I thought, well, now I'm kind of curious, right? Yeah. So I bought my Cayman S from Hennessy, Hennessy portion in Atlanta. So I called Hennessy, and same deal. I said, we'll take your deposit. But I was number 10. Mm-hmm. I was number 10 in Hennessy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, holy cow. No time to waste. Yeah, so I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. I really wasn't that serious anyway. So the car wasn't even out yet, remember? It just announced. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think the car got released to the press maybe a couple months later. I was to say May. Yeah, what kind of allotment were these dealers getting? Like one or two of them? Yeah, month? yeah. Because okay. Porsche, I think, originally decided to build 2,500 of them okay. worldwide. Okay. So the, I said, well, whatever. You know, so the, pre- the car was released to the press, let's just say May, a couple months later. And, of course, it was it was a home run. Right. You know, and every, I don't know if you read all the stories back then, all the stories ended the same way. This is the best portion on the road now, but sorry, you can't get one. They're sold, sold out. They're sold out. <laughs> you missed it. Yeah, and then they weren't even going to be delivered till July. Wow. I'm like, well, whatever, you know. Right. And then won awards, and all these people talked about it. People were trading their delivery spots for 20000 over sticker. Wow. It was, an, it was a nut house. So, you know, I think it was end of October that same year, so I say October 2015, um... I get an email from Hennessy. It's from the salesman down there. And he says, hey, Bill, are you, are you still interested in GT4? Well, now I am. Mm-hmm. Because I'm making... The hype. Yeah. yeah. And you know, okay with my wife. And she said, yeah. I said, why am I interested? And he's like, well, the rumor is Porsche's built more. Mm-hmm. And since you're a prior customer, I'm willing to give you one of our allotments. I'm like, well, sign me up. Yeah. So I'm thinking, great. But no, no official announcement had been made. And... I think I got off the email with him, and I immediately called local dealership again. I said, hey, are you guys getting more GT4 allotments? No. I'm like, mm. all right, well, you know, thanks, but I think maybe I'm going to get one through Hennessy as well. You know, congratulations. Mm. The next day, the next day, the local dealership called me back. Hey, Bill, we're getting two. Wow. They just announced I get two, we get two more allotments, and I'd like to keep one of them local. I said, would you be, I'll be willing to give you one of the the spots I'm like sign me up yeah he says well come down tomorrow bring your deposit and we'll we'll spec it out in the computer so I think it was like November 1st 2015 and went down the next day gave him the deposit we put him in the computer to my order mm-hmm. and then I then the wait the wait began it was interesting because you know I, I didn't take delivery till the end of April 2016 wow it's a long time so it's a long time to wait yes it is and I bugged them every day <laughs> they probably got sick of me uh I followed it through the factory because you, you had some information. Like you went yeah. to start the build when it got to the paint shop. What do you oh, want to can just talk briefly about how you spec yours? I I went. And, I kind of kept it somewhat simple. Um, Very traditional, which I like. Well, I got the silver because I'm a silver guy, mm-hmm. and I got the black wheels because I just think that's a good look. Mm-hmm. I was torn on the on the the bucket seats because they're they're really cool. Mm-hmm. They were expensive, but mm-hmm. here's what happened: I didn't get bucket seats. Because I had the, I guess, fortune. I was down at um, Fab Speed. Mm-hmm. And with a friend, in fact, the 944 friend. Mm-hmm. He was down there getting a new exhaust on it. Mm-hmm. And they had one of the first GT4s in North America. Wow. The owner didn't even take delivery of it. He sent it strict, strict, strict to them. 
for, for a new exhaust. And they, they took forever. We were down there a lot longer than we were supposed to be, and I think they were trying to appease us. And long story short, they said, well, we'll keep you riding the GT4 up, you know, past the time. Well, they had bucket seats, and I got to ride in it. It was, it was awesome, but the bucket seats didn't fit me quite right. Mm. The, the way the back sat, mm-hmm. it just wasn't super comfortable. So I, I opted mm-hmm. not to get the bucket seats, mm-hmm. which I'm still sort of torn. You know, maybe I should have, maybe I shouldn't. See, I got the regular sports seats, which I think are phenomenal. Yeah. They're not quite as cool as the carbon fiber buckets. But trust but, me, they're, it's very, it fits you well, and besides, we're not 20 years old. Yeah, anymore, crawling in so. and out of them, I figured yeah. in 10 years would be yeah. difficult at best. Yeah. But, but basically, I got a leather interior, because I thought a car of that, that stature mm-hmm. should have leather. It didn't come mm-hmm. with leather. Mm-hmm. I had, um, what else did I get? I can't remember what else I had option, to be honest with you. Okay. And but very, very few options. Sure, yeah. It was maybe four, $4,000 extra or something, but... Followed it through the process, <clears throat> and then was even, I even went to another <laughs> another degree. I followed the car. I followed the car in the boot. I found the, like, a, like a flight aware for boats. <laughs> so when it got loaded on the ship, I got the ship name. Oh wow! And I got on like this maritime tracker. <laughs> I tracked my car across the ocean. That's cool. Yeah, three and a half, four days, or what did it take? Honestly, I can't remember. Okay, yeah. I can't remember, but it was it's funny. That's neat. Yeah, you know, my wife make, my wife makes fun of me about it, but. It gets delivered to, oh my gosh, I forget which port it was. I think it's up in the Northeast. It wasn't Newark or New York, but mm-hmm. and it sat in the port for a couple of days, and then, and then I don't know if you know about this, but the GT Porsches get delivered separately from other cars. I did not. They come know. under covered covered what uh, trailer. Okay. So I finally got word that the car was coming, and uh, when it was delivered, it was kind of funny because the, the the guys were like, "Well, we have it. Uh, do you want to go to the, like, the delivery?" service or not the service but ceremony and that's acceptance mm. i'm like no i'm just gonna come get it so it was really such such a short little thing right yeah, yeah. i just wanted to write say hey i just i just want to get i was going to oh, wait this long yeah i just wanted to, tina didn't even come with me you know we just went over <laughs> i got in the car and, and came home it was it was very like anticlimactic sure. as far as you know taking delivery your first porsche but right but i didn't care <laughs> yeah after then, all that kind of and wait. then there was a break-in period on the motor mm. i don't know if you're aware of that yeah i know well, that was terrible. How many thousand? A thousand, twelve hundred, or what is the? What was, was it? Was it quite a few? I think it was two thousand. Wow. Yeah, and there was a lot of debate on on that. You know, was Porsche being conservative with the lawyers writing that rule? Mm-hmm. You know, so it was kind of a. I did sort of a modified. Quite a while. Yeah, and you weren't supposed to rev it over four thousand. So I did a lot of research. I went to all the forums, and there was, you know, there was one of those like, you know, half and half debates. Half the guys said, "No, you got to break it in quicker than that," and blah mm. blah. So I kind of took the middle of the road. I remember I don't think I took it over four thousand until I got to like fifteen hundred miles or something, and then I then I started going to. to I, I incrementally went up sure. to red line from that sure. point, yeah. but it was a little bit quicker than what the factory actually said. Mm-hmm. But then of course it was hard. Because you've driven the car. Oh, I know. All the fun starts at 5,000. It does. Yeah. It's where it really snaps that's, and comes alive. That's where the sound and all the fun. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So for the first 2,000 miles, you're like... Puttering around. Yeah. <laughs> well, how many do you have on the clock right now? How many miles? There's probably like 10, 10 6. Yeah, which is still super for, low. For four years, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't. I drive as much as I can. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's hibernating now for winter, but... Mm-hmm. You have the battery tender on and everything. Yeah, battery tender. I pump the tires up. I have a tire cradle that sits on. Yeah, I so. do the same thing. Yeah. Covers on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so the Corvette's hibernating as well. Yeah, it's it's in uh, it's in its winter mode, but yeah, it's 
all tucked away. That's all right. Yeah. I, when the cinders come out, the car goes to bed. So you got that right. That's how I do it. Well, of course, you know, that's a cup two tires, and they are they are mm-hmm. really bad with temperature. Mm-hmm. If, if it's not if it's below fifty, you really have to be careful. Yes. Yeah. There's definitely a temperature sensitive. Yeah, you tire. don't want to mess with that. Yeah. Well, I know your daughters always love a chance to be taken to a, a game or a practice or anything, any chance they get to get to go ride. Well, it's Especially funny. roaring so, up over the mountain. Well, sometimes not. I mean, sometimes they're kind of embarrassed, I think. Mm. You know, like, oh, dude, we have to take that. Okay. Why did you come pick me up in this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I remember when the girls were in high school, you know, the boys took notice, obviously. Right, right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure the girls like that attention. But right, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. We're going to take a quick break. We're only going to be gone for just about 60 seconds. Right now. We would like to proudly mention our official OEM sponsor, Porsche Mechanicsburg. In the market for a Macan, Cayenne, 718, or 911, Porsche Mechanicsburg will match you with the perfect vehicle from their extensive inventory of pre-owned and new models. When it comes to service on these magnificent machines, their record of quality workmanship is unmatched with a staff of mechanics whose prowess in all facets of Porsche engineering is world-class. These are all time-tested trademarks that have been part of the Faulkner Auto Group since 1932. 2021 will witness an expansion of their sales and service excellence with the now-completed new state-of-the-art Porsche Center. Located at 6625 Carlisle Pike, Porsche Mechanicsburg is the destination when ready to make that dream a reality, parked in your driveway. And let's get back to our interview. Well, I know that you have uh, really been about, uh, you know, like as a pilot and as a captain, always improving skills, and then certainly with with driving too, always looking to improve that. You had a chance to uh, do what a lot of us hope to do, and that is, how many days, was it four days? Four, I did the four days. Four days of Bondura? The four-day Grand Prix course of Bondura. Yeah, tell us a little Down about that. Days. I mean, for those that haven't... Uh, been... So it's been on my bucket list. I've always wanted to do it and just never seemed to you know, find the time. And then you know, you get a little bit older and you realize, well, maybe i got to start doing some of these things. Mm-hmm. And the stars aligned last summer. It was kind of a perfect storm. Um, I think I got an email from Bondura. I'm on their email list. And they mm-hmm. said, hey, we're running, we're running one-third off specials. But you have to do it in August. Mm-hmm. Well, I had already scheduled vacation for August. So that's kind of like, you know, it's mm-hmm. a signal, right? Mm-hmm. You got to do it. The universe says, Yeah. Go. So I'm like, well, all right, this is it. We're, <laughs> we're going to do it. So I signed up for the four-day Grand Prix course. Now, I, I knew right off it was going to be a little bit tricky because it's in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And August in Phoenix was going to be hot. Mm-hmm. And it was hot. Mm-hmm. It wasn't too hot not to enjoy, but it, it was really hot. Yeah. So I went down and did four days in Bondurant. And uh, it set up first three days during the Dodge Hellcat which is not a bad I'm sorry Challenger the Challenger Hellcat wide body SRT I think it is okay so you spend three days in that and it's really a, a really neat experience for all kinds of reasons but so like so for the first day they've got this huge asphalt it's a parking lot for, for all intents and purposes and you do all these all these drills I mean you do braking drills you do uh, lane change drills, um, autocross, sort of autocross stuff. Mm-hmm. So you alternate through these different sessions and all these different skills. They have a giant skid pad, and I'm sure you can see on the website, but there's a, a four-door version of that Challenger, I think so. What is that, Dick? I can't remember. Oh, the Charger. Charger. Mm-hmm. So they have a Charger. Mm-hmm. 
and they got their little, uh, I don't know if it's proprietary or not, but a hydraulic sort of a dolly system on each corner. Of the like an outrigger? Yeah, an outrigger, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the instructor's got a joystick, and he can lighten or increase the load of the front and rear. Wow. So you have a turn in this session where you you spend um, quite a while circling this kind of an oval. Mm -hmm. And at first they teach you understeer. Understeer's easy. Okay. <laughs> you know, they, Just plowing. Yeah. You know, you have to get off the gas or get on the brake to get the front end hooked up. So mm -hmm. that's easy. They, you spend a little bit of time on that. But then you spend the rest of the session with the oversteer. Mm -hmm. And it was a very good teaching uh, session because he would lighten the uh, the rear axle, and when you come on that turn, the rear end would come around. So mm. you had to practice the correct skills. Mm -hmm. The most important thing I learned in that drill was look where you want to go. And it was an interesting because my instructor was really good. He, he I, I did well. Mm -hmm. You know, you look to where your car wants to go, and you intuitively counter steer correctly and go mm -hmm. to that spot. Mm -hmm. Your hands follow where your eyes are. That's what I teach, and it works. But then he, he I was doing well. He said, well, I want you to do something different this time. He said, the next time we go on this turn, I want you to look at the building, not to where we want to go. I said, all right. So as we came on the turn, the back end came loose. You know, I'm on the gas, counter steering, but I'm looking at the building. And sure enough, that's where we went. Mm -hmm. We went to where I was looking, mm -hmm. not where I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. So that was Indelible a really... Indelible memory. Yeah, it was a really good It was a really good teaching moment because exactly what they were telling me it worked. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, you know, that was a huge lesson from, from that, from that uh, session. And then we'd spend, I think we spent the second half of the first day on the track. Bond routes got through in track. It's broken up into sections. And we spent the first section on the, the Maricopa Oval, I believe it's called. And we spent hours circling this oval, which sounds boring, but it's not for a couple mm -hmm. of reasons. Because it's, it's an it's a increasing radius turn and a decreasing radius turn. Okay. So you have one on each end. Mm -hmm. It was very different. It was very different, yeah. yeah. It was very different. And we spent a lot of time learning that. Um, and it's, you know, it was fun. The, the slower cars, I and mean, believe it or not, there were people there that were, they were pretty slow. Mm. Like, you know, they spent all this money to go out to Bondurant and they were like, real easy on listen, it. Listen, they were going so, so slow that they didn't have to break for the turns. Mm. I'm like, well, why, why are you here? <laughs> right? Yeah, right. So the instructor said, we can't pass on this. We can't pass yet. So oh. the idea was we'd come into pit lane. It's painful. So, I mean, honestly, heavens, we, we, I'd come around, catch up to someone really slow, I'd pull in the pits, and then I'd wait for them to come all the way around the oval, and right before they came up on pit lane, I'd jump out in front of them. And it would take me maybe a lap and a half to lap them and get back on their butt again. <laughs> right, and uh, the same thing. And so me and another guy, our group were much right. faster, and we would pull into the pit lane and wait. And we, it was okay, though. You right, know, right, It worked. Right. You know, but, yeah, it was interesting. Uh, so that was, like, the first day. And then the second... I'm pretty sure the second and third day we spent mostly on the track. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, we'd have lead follows mm -hmm. uh, with the instructors. How did it feel open air? I mean, that was well, for open the, wheel. Or I guess you well, hadn't Yeah, we haven't got to the point okay, yet. We're gotcha. still on the Hellcat. Right. Well, it was very comfortable. And the Hellcat actually is it's pretty easy to drive. Mm -hmm. I, I thought so. Mm -hmm. it, it understeers. We can feel there's some, there's some weight there. There's weight there. Mm -hmm. They have uh, modified brakes. And I think they modified the suspension a little bit. But okay. the, the brakes were like racing brakes, and they held up pretty well, mm -hmm. considering it was 111 degrees. Well, sure. And honestly, the car, uh, on all the, I didn't mention this, but on all the, the drills, I had the windows up and the air conditioner on. <laughs> What's well, 111 well, degrees? Well, sure, you right? got it. And the cars were amazingly, they didn't overheat. I was going to say, it's not sapping that much power. So. It wasn't, and, and it didn't overheat. 
Good. which is pretty amazing. Yeah, both of those. At that temperature. So uh, on the tracks, we had the windows down for safety reasons, but I'd still have the air conditioner on mm. until I realized it was sap and power. <laughs> and then I thought, well, screw this. I'm turning the air conditioner <laughs> off. Right? Because yeah. then Put the wind started getting hot. Sure. And you could feel the power losing. But but uh, overall, like, the Hellcat was pretty easy to drive. It was very comfortable because it was on street tires. Mm-hmm. And I, you have a sense for when the street tires are going to let loose. Uh, I immediately set all my... They, they, they won't let us turn the traction control off. Mm. But I immediately went in and turned everything to track. Mm-hmm. So I had the least amount of intervention as possible. Mm-hmm. And the car would get loose. Uh, and of course, you get you get braver as the day goes. And I've had a couple of times where the back end was coming around at the worst parts, parts of the track. you know. <laughs> uh, and we could pass on the track. But only in two different spots. Okay. So that made it a lot easier to get on the slow people. So, But no, I, I found the Hellcat... It was a lot of fun. We did, I think maybe, I think it was 40-minute sessions. Okay. Pretty long sessions. That is, yeah. And I wasn't tired, you know. Mm-hmm. It was a comfortable ride. We'd do a 40-minute session, come in. We did some, we did a lot of classroom you stuff. you debriefing each time? Yeah, we do, not each time, but in the morning we did briefings. And then when they, they expanded the track the second half of the day, we did a couple of briefings. And okay. we, every time we expanded the track, we'd do lead follows. Mm-hmm. We'd break up into groups, and each instructor would have maybe three cars following them. Okay. Which was nice because he would show you the line, and um, and talking through an intercom. Or yeah, they had radios, walkies. Yeah, yeah. Okay. so uh, that was good. Now, we, on the fourth day, are we ready for the fourth day? I'm ready. The fourth day was a different animal because we went into the uh, Ligier F4 car, mm. and right from the beginning, it was very intimidating. You uh, said it was almost, uh, and I can I can speak from experience, uh, not driving that, but. Kind of like, not claustrophobic, but you're, claustrophobic. Just, but you're just like, okay, no, claustroph- I'm kind of like one with this machine. Claustrophobic. So. Okay. All I right. mean, I'm not a claustrophobic guy, but here's the deal. I'm in a fire suit. I think I showed you the video. I mean, yes, you in, did. Okay. Yeah. I'm 6'1". The car's not made for a guy 6'1". Mm-hmm. It's 111 degrees. And I, I there was three cars in each group. And I was the third car, and for whatever reason, I got in quicker than anyone else. Mm-hmm. But you saw the video of me getting in. I, yeah. I don't fit in the car. You have to, like, shoehorn yourself in. It looked like you're putting on a tuxedo. I mean, it... <laughs> I, I, they strapped the seatbelts down so tight you can't move. They put the helmet on, and as I sat there sweating <laughs> in this intense heat, the two people in front of me were taking forever to get in. And that's when I, I honestly said to myself, I don't know if I can do this. Mm-hmm. I feel really... It's sort of like when you're on a roller coaster and they stop it for maintenance or whatever, and you're just thinking, "Come on now, let's get me." I out think of here. maybe it went worse than that. Wow! Because you had the helmet on. That's true. You can't. You're not seeing anything. anything peripherally. And here's the thing that was really where I had relatively large feet. There's no dead pedal. There's a clutch, a brake, and a, and a gas pedal. Mm. It's a it's a um, sequential gearbox. So you have to push the clutch in. You paddle shift in the first gear, and then the, the first starts a conventional car, although very difficult to get started. Mm. A lot of the people stalled it multiple, multiple times. Okay. I stalled it once, but then I got it, got out. Yeah. Once you get the car moving and you're in first gear, and I, the clutch is not used. Okay. But there's nowhere to put your left foot. So you got, you're like holding You're it. holding my left foot mm-hmm. up. And it was very uncomfortable. And the, mm. my feet are bigger than mm-hmm. most. The pedals are close together. It was hard to get the brake without touching the gas. It's like a shin spoon kind of feel. At the, we, we did 20-minute sessions in the F4 car. I was exhausted after 20 minutes. Wow. I mean, the heat, the, yeah. the uh, G-forces, holding my foot up. Yeah, you'd have these pains in your shin. Yeah, sure. Holding your left foot up. Sure. But let me go back to the claustrophobia. I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know if I can do this. I really don't know if I can do this. 
Well, once we didn't get underway, I'd say to me the second turn, I totally forgot about that. Mm -hmm. Then I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> and this is really freaking awesome. And we did lead follow for a while and then the instructor went in and then we're just on our own for, t for 20 minutes. And mm. it was very intimidating for a lot of reasons. One, there's no power steering, there's no power brake, mm. there's no anti-skid, or analog brake. Yeah, it's very analog. So it's, it's all on you. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest intimidating thing was the, was the racing slicks. Mm. I don't have any experience on slicks. And whereas I thought it was pretty easy to find the limit on a street tire, I didn't know where the limit was on the, on the race slicks. Mm -hmm. The limit's way out there. I mean, give you an example. We had three days on the track in the Hellcat, not a single off. There were maybe 12 of us in the class. We had six offs on the, on the one day in the Your lead. buddy was... Uh, yeah, my, my friend yeah. George. Yeah, yeah. My friend George was off twice. Mm. Uh, my my seatmate, we had seats kind of molded to us, was off in his first, first, I think his first flying lap. He was mm. off. I had that on video. I hope I showed that mm -hmm. to you or not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that's intimidating, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the uh, the other thing that's kind of weird is is uh, and I didn't realize this, but on the front straight, I think maybe we got 104, 105 down the straight in the Hellcat. Mm -hmm. No idea how fast I'm going in the in the F4 car, but your helmet starts lifting off my head. I remember you telling me that. And that was a little unsettling at first. You come, like you're coming down your the yeah, yeah, you're coming down the straight, and you get to a certain speed, and your helmet starts lifting off my head, <laughs> and the straps holding on. And I think, man, that's pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> when has this happened before? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think I told you this story too, but, you know, down the front straight was nothing. But I started pushing harder and harder and harder. And I kept thinking, I was on the back part of the course where <laughs> the consequences were a little higher for, if you did go off. And I started realizing my helmet was lifted in that back section. And that's when I thought, mm -hmm. wait a minute, I don't think I want to take this car off the track at yeah. this part of the, of the track at this speed. Yeah. <laughs> So it was it's gonna be a bad day. I, I backed her off a little bit. So I wasn't one of like one of the six guys that went off. But honestly, I don't think I pushed the car as hard. In fact, in hindsight, I wish I had I had another chance because sure. I, I don't think I pushed it as hard as I could have. Yeah. yeah. I started off the session pretty fast compared to the group, mm -hmm. and by the end of the session, the guys had caught up to me. A couple of them had passed me. Mm -hmm. You know. But I guess with age, we just we're sensible. You just you think of all the consequences. Well, I kept thinking about like uh, paying for the car. I mean, the, mm. Bondra includes a. Uh, I think it's it's included in the fee, but like a base insurance. But, but, well, it covers the cover the deductible eight grand. So I'm really responsible for the first eight grand. So I don't, not like I hurt myself, but I'm responsible for the first eight thousand. The, the one guy that went off. The only damage to the car that day was uh, a bent front uh, wing. Okay. And it was funny because he he went off. One of the six guys went off, and when you go off at Bondurant, it's sort of like a, you don't see most of the track. You, you hear some screeching, and then you look out and see it's a huge cloud of dust somewhere off in the distance. <laughs> right, right. And then the instructors jumped in their cars and took off, right? Well, he came back in, and the front one was, was bent. It was noticeably bent up. Yeah. So we continued the session. I remember we finished the session, went back into the classroom, and there was, a, there was an invoice on his table. It was, I think it was 900 bucks to fix it. <laughs> That's never good. Yeah. He was good with it though. Yeah, you know, he, he had a pretty good attitude. Pay to play. Yeah. He said to us, he said, "Well, you know, we, we saved a lot of money with this discount." He said, "Nine bucks. True. I'm still still cheap, way cheaper than hey, the regular full price." Glass is half full. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> it was it was an experience, but I, I would like to have another chance at it, honestly. Mm -hmm. Or maybe just a different car and slicks, because you know the yeah. racing slicks were something new. Well, it's on my to do or my bucket, and I, I definitely got experience with it, something like that. Especially the, the opportunity to open wheel. Right. That was, yeah, mm -hmm. I would recommend that. I mean, that's, 
something you don't get to do, especially the sequential gear shifter. And mm -hmm. we had, oh, this is a funny story. We had uh, my friend George went off, one of his two offs. <laughs> they couldn't get the car started. And uh, when he came back in fine, he was soaking wet, soaking wet. Thank you. Yeah, when we, when we got the briefing on the car, this is the kill. This is the uh, master switch. You know, this is the fan switch. This is all this stuff. What's that red button? Oh, that's the fire fire extinguisher. Don't push that one. Okay. So George goes off and stalls the car, and the instructors all come out and they can't get the car started. They're struggling, and on the outside of the car there was a, a red handle, mm -hmm. and honestly, I assumed it was a kill switch. You know, most race cars have a kill mm -hmm. switch. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the new instructors assumed it was a kill switch too. So they were thinking to themselves they couldn't get the car. So, well, maybe the kill switch turned. Maybe I'll, I'll turn the kill switch back on. Well, uh. that wasn't a kill switch. It was an external fire extinguisher switch. <laughs> so he pulled the fire extinguisher and drenched George. <laughs> and he I was chafing. It, yeah. yeah, I think it was water. I think they have water mm. in there. But just <laughs> drenched him. And then the funny thing, in the briefing, I said, don't touch that button because it's it's $1,000 to recharge oh the bottle. Oh, my gosh. So the instructor? The instructor blew the bottle. And I asked him, I was like, well, are they going to charge you? I think they got your pace. Oh, they haven't really said yet. Oh, wow. <laughs> I felt bad. That's a very expensive mistake. Yeah, I felt bad for him. But, uh, it but was, great instruction all around. I mean, yeah, it was real good. Yeah, they were, uh, they were really good, I thought. Now, when you would go out for the 20 minutes in the F4, you come back... Um, they would debrief on yeah, each yeah. person and what they saw, or how, yeah. would, they, how would that work? Yeah, for the most part, they would watch you. Uh, you could also request an instructor. In fact, I, I did once. I came in and asked for an instructor to come out. I wanted to follow him, and uh, mm -hmm. he was real good. He jumped in a car, and I went out and tried to follow him. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they would watch you and, mm -hmm. and debrief you as best they could. They would ask questions, you know, what they saw, and yeah, it was it was. Um, I thought it was really good instruction. What are the three things you think you came away after four days, specifically as a better driver? What What did you walk away with? Uh, look, look where you want to go. Yeah, that's I mean, a big honestly, one. They, we debriefed in the in the room, and I think I said it first, and I think a handful of other ones said the same thing. I mean, mm -hmm. that's that's huge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I made some notes for myself, and the fact mm -hmm. I think that's one of my first notes is. Uh, let me pull them up here and see what my notes say. But that, that was number one for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and to see it in action, to see it proven out. Yeah, especially yeah. when I talked about the um, the instructor um, making me look at the building. Mm -hmm. Here are my notes: vision, vision, vision. Look ahead. That's that's that okay. was the biggest thing. You know, you're always looking at as least two, ahead two turns ahead. You know, yeah. I think the F four guys were looking four turns ahead, maybe. But mm -hmm. that was that's the number one. Um, yeah. Uh, Oversteer, absolutely critical to look where you want to go. That mm -hmm. to me, those are the two things: vision and, okay. and look, look where you want to go. Your hands will follow where you're looking, and that was that was good. And that looking so far ahead, that makes sense, but it's sometimes really hard to do. You constantly have to, especially if you're driving in traffic, right. you've got to be looking ahead, looking nearby, looking ahead, and people don't realize the discipline around that. I I don't know if this is correct. So I don't want to put out false information, <laughs> okay. but this is what I found. So we're doing the track sessions. You're you're looking for your at least two points ahead. So you're looking for your 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 braking point, mm -hmm. your turning, and your apex. Mm -hmm. But what I found myself doing is when you're in traffic. Now I'm not allowed to pass anyone, but I'm following slower traffic now. You're not looking the car ahead. You're mm -hmm. you're sort of following the car ahead with your peripheral vision. Mm -hmm. So it's a little, like you think about it, it's a little scary because you know, all of a sudden he checks up or something. Mm -hmm. 
you're not actually watching him. Not as, yeah. I'm looking at my turning point. I'm looking for my apex. And as soon as yeah. I get turned to the apex, I'm looking for my ex- the exit and mm-hmm. the track out. Mm-hmm. And all the cars around you are sort of in the periphery. Mm-hmm. I found that disconcerting. But that, yeah. it seems like how it works. Well, I, I had a, a driving experience day and the one instructor told me, you almost have, he referred to it as you almost have to be like a chameleon in a right. sense where you have these independent moving eyes. He said, he's like, obviously human beings' eyes don't do that, but he said, you have to be moving and shifting all the time. And to your point, you're kind of seeing it out of your peripheral, but you're glancing, glancing. Right. And he said, your eyes should never be done shifting. Yeah, I think you're probably way behind if you're mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. And so. I didn't realize that. I, that was a good appreciation, a learning, or a coachable moment for me. I didn't realize how active your sight has to be all over. Well, you, you've had rides with the pros, and mm-hmm. I, I've, I have as well, mm-hmm. and they're always amazing. Yes, and so are. at Bondurant, um, you'd be out doing your session, and every so often a pro would get in the car and come out just to play. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's maybe 12 guys in our group, and I think I'm maybe I'm the third fastest guy. So except for the two guys that are faster than me, I'm passing people. Sure. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's a guy on your butt, and you're like, and he's, he's around you. It was one of the, they're so much better than us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're so much better. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, you and might, it's the same car. Yeah. You know, same everything. You're yeah. just like, Dang, mm-hmm. I thought I was doing all right, you know. Put it in perspective. Yeah. yeah, you're just like I am so slow compared to him. <laughs> and the same thing when you do a ride along, like you've done the Porsche yeah. driving experience, and I've done a couple of those, and you ride with the, the, the pros, and you're just like, dang, yeah. I just drove the same track all day, Amazement. and I get in with you, yeah. and you're just going way faster. Yeah, it's like a, it's a different car, different track. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. It's humbling. Beyond, it's very humbling. Beyond humbling. Well, when you came back, um, so now that, that was August, you came back the latter half of the year when you still had some good weather. Right. Uh, how did it feel to be behind your G? To be oh, it was awesome. Behind the wheel of GT4. It was even now you got fun. the confidence, yeah. even greater confidence. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, my wife didn't like that. Mm. I mean, she was a little bit not so much looking forward to driving with me anyway. When mm-hmm. I come back from Bondurant, she's like, this isn't any fun anymore. <laughs> You're pushing it a little too much, you know. Yeah, she doesn't like late braking. Yeah, it disconcerts her a bit. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I mean, cool. it makes you a better driver. Yeah, for that's sure. the idea. That's yeah, the I think point. honestly, I think everyone should do track time. Mm-hmm. To be mm-hmm. part of a driver's ed curriculum, mm-hmm. you know, to understand what it feels like, the dynamics, what happens if the car gets loose. Mm-hmm. I think we'd all be better off for it. Well, we just talked the other week. Uh, we met with uh, Bill Wade, Street Survival, and and he's uh, his program is nationwide, but helping. Young drivers, particularly that's teens, what, yeah, yeah that's, BMW, right? Yeah, it's yeah. so so important that's to so huge. give them a chance to even if it's a minivan or mom's yes. forerunner or whatever it is, just what to do if something goes wrong. Yeah. I think everybody needs all yeah. of us for yeah. varying degrees could use that. So. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good program they have. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for opening your house. And yeah, thanks for, for having me, me up. And this has fun. Been a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Appreciate right. it. Thank thanks. you. We are back to Studio A on behalf of the entire team here at Cars of Carlisle. We hope you enjoyed this week's special guest, Bill Morrow. A big thank you to Bill for opening his home and investing time with the CFC community. And Bill, I can't wait to get the Z06 out of storage this spring and play cat and mouse with you and the GT4 all across those glorious back roads in the county just over the mountain. Now it's time to clutch in rev match downshift and do this week's trivia answer. If you recall, at the beginning of the show, I had asked the true or false question whether or not the very first Porsche, known as Porsche number one, had a rear engine configuration. And the answer is false. Actually, the very first Porsche, which was the hand-built prototype, the aluminum prototype, 
known as Porsche number no. one, was the very first vehicle to actually have the uh, had the brand or the mark Porsche on it, and that was June eighth of nineteen forty eight, and that vehicle was actually a mid-engine configuration. It was a 1.3 liter flat four. Uh, the output with some uh, some engineering work and twin carbs brought it somewhere between 35 and 40 horsepower. And uh, that very first Roadster came in under 1,300 pounds, about 1,290. And uh, <clears throat> with the modified engine, it could reach uh, estimated speed somewhere in the 84 to 87 miles per hour. So Ferry Porsche in uh, spring of 48 uh, went on a very long road test throughout uh, Europe, particularly through Austria. And uh, with that uh, <clears throat> road test, he had he was checking, of course, really putting the car through its paces with quite a few uh, climbs and what. And during all that uh, that test time, Ferry Porsche had only one mechanical issue, and that was with the rear torsion bar suspension. And but it was fixed while on the way, and and the car continued without any further mechanical failures. So, that is this week's trivia answer. And to allude to the Bondurant driving school that Bill was talking about, we are on our proverbial last lap ourselves. The white flag's out, it's waving, and we are going to head into the finish line. Be sure to come back and tune in for next week's episode. We can't wait to have you. We will be here. Because together it is all about car community, car culture. Drive well, be well, take care.